Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Today's episode features an excerpt of a BlackBaud webinar. After listening to the episode, click on the link in the show notes to access the full webinar, including a panel discussion and a Q&A. I am Paige Bullington, President and General Manager at BlackBaud Healthcare Solutions, and we're so glad that um, you are with us on our partner webinar series. I'm joined today by Eddie Thompson, President and CEO of Thompson & Associates, Mark McCampbell, Senior VP of Advancement Resources, and Betsy Chapin-Taylor, CEO of Accordant Philanthropy. And the topic we're gonna focus on today is leadership in times of change. And I think it's a really timely and relevant topic. Um, It's an interesting way to wrap up this webinar series. We've gone through changing um, campaign goals, looking at major gift fundraising, how you pivot physician relationships, how you change your grateful patient programs. And at the end of the day, I think all of the things that we've talked about really require one central theme, and that's leadership, the ability to lead and move through that change. And right now, we really have to focus on resilient leadership, leading in a new normal, leading in different environments, and also just a reminder that anyone can lead and you lead from where you are. So what we wanted to do was to talk about how you go through that process, what are some kind of tips and tricks, if you will, for managing through that, what are areas to look at, and then as is our custom, we'll all come back together and do a Q&A and we'll take questions from the audience. So again, as a reminder, you've got a Q&A function, so feel free to send them as we're going along. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Mark McCampbell to get us started. Mark? Well, thank you, Paige, and I want to especially thank you and BlackBaud for sponsoring this and uh, uh, the wonderful opportunity that we have to share with our partners and colleagues and friends out there. Thank you for joining us on our webinar today. Uh, Just a thought around leadership and its importance uh, from a very high level, and then we're going to move on from here. I just heard about some research that was done in Europe in terms of Google searches, and this was just recently released. It turns out that Google searches on prayer have doubled for every 80,000 cases of COVID-19 that are announced. So what this says to me is perhaps people aren't turning to religion or turning to prayer, but they're certainly looking for something outside of themselves and probably thinking about what to, what can I turn to in times of change when the things that I'm relying on or the things that I'm used to looking to for security are, uh, are different and may not be there anymore. And so when I think about leadership from that angle, from that perspective, I go to um, the uh, the opportunity that I've had to work with some of our brilliant healthcare leaders across North America. And I want to point out that Carl Armato, who is the president and CEO of the Novant Health System, has demonstrated incredible values and commitment to people in himself, in his team, and in the things and actions that he that he takes at Novant and a demonstration of that depth of leadership that he has and that commitment to people came uh, in the fact that Novant transferred $10 million uh, into a fund to provide 
relief assistance for healthcare workers, our healthcare heroes on the front lines. And they did this in the early days and announced it as uh, an opportunity to uh, have people contribute to that. But it was such a demonstration of that solid commitment to leadership. And knowing, Carl, I go to the fact that with people like this, with with leaders like this, we see that who you are is really more important than what you do. So what does that mean, who you are as a leader? Well, first of all, there's authenticity. And uh, being an authentic leader is something that we've heard a lot about. But it's an important time to remember that because in times of change and perhaps crisis and perhaps uncertainty, it may be uh, a loss of the things that you depend on. Uh, Some people can lead in good times because things are going well, things are going smoothly. And then when it's extremely challenging, it's tough for them to dig down and find that same level of leadership. Uh, But when you're authentic and you're being yourself and you're leading from who you are, Uh, that's really the place to be. Only you can be you. And so be yourself. Have authenticity in who you are as you lead. Also come to your values, and your values lead to your actions. And so this is a time for us to perhaps take a little time to reflect on who we are. What are our values? What is important to us? What's in the core? What drives us? Uh, And then this um, this leads us to our purpose, the The area that I often begin with in some of my coaching with executives is uh, going to the purpose. Why are you here? Is it uh, beyond this job, this personal um, appointment where you are, the the place that you serve? What's your purpose? Why, why, uh, Why are you here? Many years ago, more than three decades ago, I went through an exercise that helped me to identify my mission in life, and that is to identify needs and resources and put them together so people are helped and communities are improved. And I've done that every day in my life since then. It's something you can do anywhere and with anyone. And that's what this purpose is about. So at this time, who you are as a leader, it's really important to know your purpose, your mission for your reason, your reason for being here, and then having courage to be that and to do that. This is a time that calls upon leaders to be courageous and to be transparent and to, uh, to, to really uh, stand on their convictions and use that courage to do the right thing. Uh, We read a lot now about mindfulness and how important it is for us to step back from the moment, take some time to reflect and be thoughtful. And that mindfulness helps us to stay on track with who we are so that we do the right things as a leader. This naturally then leads into the second point that I think is so important in terms of leadership, and that is to put people first. Again, going to Carl Armato and this example of leadership, uh, having the organization knowing that its finances were impacted negatively by all the things that we were going through, the stock market being down, the costs of preparation, the lack of revenue from uh, electives and so on, the organization still chose under Carl's leadership to put $10 million to support its people. This is incredibly important as a leader now at this time that we think about how to put people first. And here it's just simply protect people, protect their jobs, protect their pay, protect their benefits to the best of your ability. During this time, many people have been furloughed. Some have been laid off. Some have had to um, to be sent home. Uh, I know many organizations did everything they could to continue supporting their health care benefits during that time and to provide for them. So protect your people. 
and then promote, 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 and make sure that you're investing in people's skills development, helping them understand what their role is and encouraging them to look at increasingly challenging roles. So promote people and then finally be sure that you're helping them to produce. And this is being a collaborative leader. This is uh, uh, helping them to understand what the right goals and metrics are for them to know that they're doing a good job. Help your people produce and this will uh, help them to be the, the teammates and the people that you need them to be. So from a very high level perspective, as a leader, be sure that you are leading from who you are and then putting your people first. Betsy? Thank you so much, Mark. So I wanna turn to another aspect of leadership and that's around your strategy. Even with high levels of uncertainty, you can't discard your long-term strategy, but few strategies are going to survive today's turbulent realities untouched. So I want you to think about this in terms of a bonsai tree. Figure if you have a bonsai tree, there's a lot of work that you do that's just maintenance to refine things. However, there are times that you need to do really rigorous structural pruning. In this time, we actually have a moment to pause and to think, but we also know that we must be agile and adapt. And so I find that this is going to be a moment when we need to think about structural pruning of our own strategic plan. I think it's important for us to be forward-facing and to be proactive, but we need to look at how your assumptions have changed. I would imagine that most of you did your strategic plan in a very different environment, and you made very different assumptions around the world that you would be working in. And so we need to go back and just pressure test those things and see where we stand today. We also need to affirm our vision. Um, Where do we feel we aspire to go as an organization now? Has our roadmap going forward changed by virtue of what has happened? Do we see new opportunities that we maybe didn't perceived before. I think we also need to think about our capabilities. As Mark said, we have seen so many people who've had to pull back and put their employees on flex or on furlough. Some have gone through layoffs. There was a new statistic that came out from the American Hospital Association today that said America's hospitals will probably go through $200 billion by June. Um, You know that there is just not enough stimulus package out there to correct all the financial deficits that are out there. And so I think that we are unfortunately entering a period in our hospitals of austerity. In all likelihood, when we do get back to the office, we are going to have fewer staff around our table. We are likely going to have budget cuts. And so I think now is the moment when we need to start thinking about the areas that we're going to prune and the areas that need to be fundamentally changed for going forward. Knowing those resources that are available and the changes in our capabilities, I think we need to then evaluate the decisions that we made before to decide, is our strategic plan still right? And while many times strategic planning has a very long-term focus, right now there are a lot of things that you need to do on a very short-term basis. And so you've got to kind of flip the traditional strategic planning methodology a bit, and you've got to think about what are we going to be doing for the next two months? What are we going to be doing for the next two quarters? Because there are some immediate decisions that you're going to need to make and many decisions you've already had to make. I think this is also a moment, though, to reimagine what we could be. Um, It is a moment for innovation. It is a moment when we are called, frankly, to do more and be more. Um, Many of our organizations, this is going to be a push to elevate how they perceive philanthropy because they're going to critically need philanthropy as an alternative revenue resource. 
So once you've gone through and kind of refined your plan, then you've got to really stick staunchly to maintaining focus. We know that we've got to make sure we are pushing things forward in a proactive and thoughtful way. So maybe you take this time as we have slowed down a little bit to think, to strategize, and to plan for the future. The other thing I want to encourage you to do is to connect meaningfully. One of the things that we often see is that we do a good job even kind of managing up to our C-suite, but we don't always think about growing laterally in our organizations. I think this is also a time that we need to rethink some of the relationships that we've built sideways. Um, what is the quality of the relationship you have with your patient experience officer, with your chief medical officer, with your chief nursing officer? Um, as we come out of this, we know that physicians and nurses and clinicians are frankly going to be in worse shape than they were going into this. And going into this, 50% of physicians and 40% of nurses said they were exhibiting multiple signs of burnout. It's going to be very important for us going forward to find sources of resilience. And we know that amongst them, gratitude is actually a powerful way to strengthen people, to return their sense of personal accomplishment, to return their joy in work, and to decrease their emotional exhaustion. So as you go back, you've got to still maintain relationships with your C-suite, but take this as the moment to kind of branch out and move laterally in your organization to build some different relationships. Now, I don't want to leave your C-suite out, though. I think many of you need to go back and demonstrate to your chief executive officer, particularly, how you are relevant. You also, frankly, need to be staunchly committed to staying in your lane. I've talked to a lot of leaders who have been very kind-hearted about assuming different roles during this period of time, that they've been manning a door or collecting pizza coming in the doors. Um, I think you need to talk about the fact that philanthropy is going to be vital for going forward and that you are responsible for safeguarding and strengthening a strategic resource for this organization. And so while you and your team may be socially agile and they know that you would step up and do anything well, you need to be very sure that they understand that your highest and best use in your calling is to really safeguard philanthropy. Finally, I want to share a thought for you that I will admit is a little bit of tough love. And I hope that you know that I say this to you with a great deal of loyalty. But I've talked to too many people that you have such a great sense of despair or paralysis that you're waiting for normal and that you think that normal is going to come in June or July. But I think that we all know the world is not going to snap back to normal. It is going to be a slow and arduous journey back to the way we were if we ever get there. And so you can't keep waiting. You cannot be sitting on the pause button waiting to take action. Too many of you are delaying your work around campaigns or clinician engagement or major gift efforts that need to go forward now. If you believe that your mission is important, if you believe that philanthropy is part of the financial solution, then you must act and so I would call upon you to rise, to step up on this moment. Um, we can't be sitting at home waiting to get back to the office. We can't be waiting until our board can all be assembled in the same room. We can't be waiting. We must rise. I wish you courage on this journey, and I thank you for your leadership. And I'll pass it to Eddie. Oh, thank you, Bessie. Our, our thoughts are right in line with each other. I want to suggest uh, three quick things. I need to go back a slide. Sorry that I think is important as part of uh, redefining as Betsy has mentioned it. And for some reason, there you go. Uh, I want to take a, make a suggestion that we really pause at this moment and think about some really important strategic decisions. 
And one of the things I've noticed in working with healthcare in the number of years now is that a lot of organizations have an executive committee that works with the executive director or whatever the nomenclature may be. But unlike higher education, I see very few boards that have a board management committee. So I have a lot of detail on here. I'm not going to take time to cover it. You'll be able to look at it in your slides. But I really, really want to encourage you as part of this redefining who we are and really thinking through what we need to look like in the future, that you really consider a board management committee. So a executive committee works vertically. A board management committee works horizontally within the board. Its task is to make sure that the board is functioning appropriately. And when you think about it, it's very hard for a person who is a staff person to manage volunteers this way. So it, it's one of the things I think that we really ought to think about, and we have some support material in the resources that defines what a board management committee does. I really want to encourage you, it's really important that you look at having a board management committee. What we see sometimes is a board will have a nominating committee. And that's part of the task of a board management committee. But the reality is a board management committee's responsibility is to hold the board and every board member accountable. So I really want to encourage you as you start thinking about redefining your organization that you ponder building within your organizational structure a board management committee. I also want to suggest this is a time for us to really be thinking about how we're going to go after gifts in the future. And I want to encourage you to reconsider having perpetual naming rights. You know, for so many of us who've gone through organizations that have been around for quite a while, we've run into a situation where a building had to be torn down and it's named after someone. We don't know what to do about the family. And what we're seeing now is an interesting trend that you ought to think about as you redefine the organization going forward. Should we have perpetual naming rights? So what we're seeing are organizations that are limiting naming rights to a term of years maybe 25 years, maybe 50 years, but a specific amount of time. And I think this is really wise. Uh, you know, when you stop and think about it, most people, in fact, I have never had a donor saying they wanted the naming right to be perpetual forever, never to end. I can't. The thousands of gifts I've worked on, I've never heard that. People understand that organizations change, and so does the environment. So, Consider whether or not you need to have perpetual naming rights. And then the last thing I'd like to cover before we get to our panel is using board members as fundraisers. Now, you may disagree with this, but I would like to ask you to hear me through. Too often we ask board members who've never been trained to go out and solicit a gift. Now, I don't know how many of on the uh, call today are pilots, but I can leave here from Nashville and head towards, let's say, Miami Beach. And I can go different altitudes, different vectors, different courses. But when I get near the airport, let's say in Miami, I have to approach, have a specific approach, certain elevations at certain times in order to land the plane safely, no matter what the weather is. Too often, fundraising is too nebulous. We just take off without a plan. And I believe that very often, board members are not trained fundraisers. Now, there are exceptions to this. But I would rather go out and have them to use their influence as a sphere of influence to get me in the room, maybe be, where, be there with me when I ask for a gift. You know, the rule of one-thirds, one-third will do what you ask, one-third will think about it, and one-third simply will not do it. 
We need to find, if you're going to use a board member to solicit a gift, you really need to think now about how you're going to approach that in the future. And also, it's really important at this time, especially at this time with all the tax changes, that you go back and consider your gift acceptance policies. So that's what I would offer today, those three simple points. But I hope that you will consider them and think about them going forward.